Oh, Ray, Ray, Ray. Good day and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for Wednesday, May the 23rd. On this episode of The Word, we are in season, so of course we need crop notes. Then, weed control questions. A really cool question from Saskatchewan about conserving water. Yes, the people in southwestern Ontario are going, what are you talking about? But no, conserve water. Then, of course, the crop of all crops. Lots of questions and lots happening in my wheat crop. Finish up at the end of the episode with that intercropping update I didn't get to last update. Let's go. And yes, I didn't get to that intercropping update last week. And a caller saying, hey, Johnson, why don't you do the word twice a week? Are you kidding me? Holy snapping. I love doing it. I love the feedback. It's all great, but not going to do it twice a week. Once a week update is enough. And by the way, you guys would get so tired of listening to me. It would be awful. You want to hear me twice a week from Sean Haney, our real egg owner? Just sign up for Sirius Radio. Sirius Satellite 147 is rural radio. And we are on there 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Five days a week, Monday to Friday. Agronomy Monday. On Mondays, you get to hear Wheat Pete. And then, of course, the word is up on Wednesday and actually gets played on Sirius Satellite Radio on Thursday. So you want to hear me twice a week? That's how you do it. And beyond that, I'll just have to get better at not running out of time. Just not going to go to twice a week. All right, moving on unbelievable how different it is across this country. So super dry in the West for the most part. Some rainfall over the last little bit, but lots of areas out there, in particular Alberta really quite dry. Meanwhile, in southwestern Ontario, it is wet, wet, wet. So that dichotomy is really quite intriguing to me. We talked to Ray in the North Shore here in Ontario. Also grower in Alberta sends me a picture as well, saying unbelievable how it changes. In both cases they talked about April the 20th and it was May the 20th when they were sending those messages. So April the 20th, the picture in Alberta, just a ton of snow. Absolutely would look at that and say we are late, late, late. In fact, Sean and I talked about that on Real Ag Radio. I think I talked about it on The Word as well, saying it's a late start to spring and how that would impact yields. Meanwhile, fast forward to May the 20th and it doesn't matter if you're in Alberta or you're actually on the North Shore of Georgian Bay here in Ontario, in both cases, need a rain. Things have been dry. It's been a good seeding season. They're done in Alberta. Uh, Ray says he's 50% done. He'll be done by the end of the week. And it's, it's just to the point where water is short. Unbelievable how it can change so quickly. And we go from being late to being on time. Actually, the corn crop in Ontario this year, 2018, is quite a bit ahead of where it was in 2017 in most locations. Not everywhere, but in most locations, even though we had the cold oldest April on record. We are not behind as it's we speak here today. And so, yes, it is wet, wet, wet. You get down into Chatham, so Essex, Kent, Lambton, that area, super wet. Six and a half inches of rain, more rain over the weekend. Not going to be able to turn a wheel on heavy clay soils till at least this weekend. More rain in the forecast. Yeah, tough conditions. Meanwhile, we go to the Ottawa Valley and Charlene in the Ottawa Valley saying, 
It is just incredible. They have had almost a perfect spring. They got a 10-day window. And in the spring in Ontario, we really want a mini drought in the spring because we start off with wet soils. We need them to dry out, plant into good conditions. And then once we get to crop in, yeah, we want rain just like everybody else. But gosh, out there in the Ottawa Valley, in 10 days, they essentially seeded everything. They crammed the whole thing into about a 10-day window. Ideal conditions, Charlene could not believe that everything could go out from a fertilizer dealer standpoint. She's agribusiness in that narrow window, but they got it done. That area often struggles. Wet in the spring, cooler climate. They don't get things in on time. Nope. This year, they are the promised land. Look like they're off to an awesome start. That's really, really cool. Okay, one other really quick note. Markets. Again, another nice rally in the marketplace. Corn flirting with $5 a bushel down the pipe at harvest. Soft red spring wheat flirting with $7 a bushel. I'm no marketer but man you just got to look at these rallies sell on rallies seven dollar wheat if you could get that man it's 2019 but still that's incredible five dollar corn's a great price soybeans not quite at 13 dollars, but it is another rally i really think we should reward rallies you reward rallies by making a sale if you haven't sold anything another good opportunity okay let's move on to cropping and get out there and scout 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 so what's really interesting we go into Essex and, and Lambton, those heavy clay soils, they're too wet. Guys are out digging around in the clay soil thinking, can I work today? How long before? And you know what they're finding is all sorts of wireworms. I find that really interesting. When I scouted with the 4-H kids, they actually found two wireworm crawling across the surface of the soil. We didn't dig. We found them crawling across the surface of the soil. Don't forget, in Ontario, if you want to use neonic-treated seed, you have to scout Man, this is the time to scout. So get out there, do your digs, get that job done and out of the way. And by the way, if you're out there digging, finding a lot of wireworms, then man, you want to maybe make sure you have good seed treatments, good insecticides on the seed. So whether that's a Fortenza or a Lumivia or, or a Neonic, but make sure you're doing something to protect that seed if you are finding high wireworm levels. The other thing, cereal leaf beetle, we talked about that a little bit this, this past week, but the adults, they're much harder to scout for. They laid their eggs. Those eggs are hatching now. The larvae, much, much easier to find. So scout your wheat crop. And if you're finding one per stem, that is the threshold, one per stem of those cereal leaf beetle, you may have to go in there and control. We're early enough in the process that if they really start doing damage, they can do an awful lot of damage in a short period of time. So that is a worry. Next on the scouting list, get out there and look at your corn. Some really cool stuff. So the early planted corn, the May first corn, it came up in, in 8 to 10 days. Those stands, they're at the 3 to 4 leaf stage. They really look nice and uniform. Mind you, they were planted on the driest soils. That's why they got in on May the 1st. The May the 11th corn, it's starting to emerge and some of those stands really look a bit ragged. It's taking 12 to 14 days. Why is that? It should be quicker. It's planted later. No, the temperatures were cooler. It didn't come up as quickly and those stands are a bit ragged because 
because a fair bit of that corn went in a little bit tough. So get out there and scout. Look at those areas and just remember, because the work that Shane and I have done, when you get variable emergence, you get a one-day difference in emergence, that's about a 6% reduction in yield for those one-day-later plants. Two days later in emergence, and you're actually up close to 10% reduction in yield. So it's just a thought process around how do we get good soil conditions and as we get closer to harvest or we're seeing things develop, remember those areas that look ragged and that might be what's going on. Also on corn, if you don't have your corn in the ground, if you're in the wet area, May 30th, that Ridgetown area, May 30th, we have to start switching hybrids. We're only at May the 23rd. I get that. But if you're wet enough, you're not going to get planted for a few days. You're getting close to the 30th. If you have any extra long hybrids, I think it's time to change them. Stay with adapted hybrids and be ready to switch to shorter season corn hybrids. If it stays wet and we get into June with planting, it's just into that time frame where we have to look at doing that as much as we don't want to look at that. And the other big impact of all this wet weather huge weeds and so we have flea bane that's big and bolting and going to be super hard to control the people with water hemp remember that's the area that has resistant water hemp they are telling me that the populations emerging are bizarre you've never seen weeds come up that thick and water hemp is like that so a lot of growers starting to look at okay we're gonna have to burn down now we're gonna have to get across that field as soon as we can even though it's plenty wet we can't plant and we may actually have to do two burn downs, but make sure you're using multiple modes of action, particularly on flea bane. It's so big, it's going to be tough to control. And you just have to get those weeds dead because the cultivator is going to miss a bunch of them. It's one of those challenges that we really have when we get into delayed planting. And on to the weed control question. So Steve asking about sow thistle. Steve's in conventional corn. And the interesting thing is sow thistle, it's perennial sow thistle is a really, really challenging weed. And you just cannot kill it in one fell swoop. You ha- it's a weed problem you have to work at over time. And so Steve, good for you. The field was wheat with red clover. You clipped the red clover twice so things didn't go to seed and you sprayed it last fall with a liter and a half of glyphosate. But you're a little disappointed with the sow thistle control. You thought that liter and a half of glyphosate would have actually given you bigger, better control? Well, I think you just have really thick sow thistle patches. Do you have any check strips? Because in our work that fall application really does have a big impact in terms of reducing the population of sow thistle. Nonetheless, Steve's question, conventional corn, what's the best herbicide program? So really, there's kind of two that would do an excellent job. The one liter of Marksman does a nice job. Mike Cobra likes that. Peak Plus does a very nice job as well. They would probably be the top two choices, but anything with dicamba in it as well. Dicamba has good activity. So those are kind of the, the areas that you look at in order to try to get on top of that sow thistle and just hit it again this fall with that glyphosate after the corn comes off keep on top of it i think we can beat it but it's a long-term proposition pete at watford he's super wet he can't get in the field so he's got to find something to do he's cleaning up ditches he's into a lot of poison oak and he says okay what do i do to control the poison oak well whatever you do pete don't spray it with glyphosate spray it with glyphosate kill all the other weeds all you do is open it up so the poison oak can come in even stronger you might take the top off with glyphosate but you're not going to 
kill it. The oxinic herbicide, so in particular, triclopyr, looks like it's very good on poison oak. That's Garlon, the trade name Garlon, but you probably don't have any of that in your shed and you probably don't need very much. It's a bit expensive. So any of the hormone type herbicides, 2,4-D, dicamba, estoprops, those kind of things do have activity on poison oak. I would actually suggest that you mix two or three of them together and spray the poison oak with that. That's probably going to do the best job. Plus, It'll leave the grass so the grass can compete and prevent that poison oak from becoming a problem in the future. All right, shift gears from wet to dry. Tim from North Central Saskatchewan saying, okay, how do I conserve moisture? Does a harrow in my wheat stubble to fine up the surface, does that actually conserve moisture or does that lose moisture? Sometimes I think it works one way. Sometimes I think it works the other way. And I'm, I just can't find any research. So the real crux of the issue is evaporative losses, right? And we don't, we want to stop those evaporative losses. If you have capillary action in the soil, and I think the easy way to tell this, Tim, is go out after a, a cool, humid night and look and see if the soil surface has become damp. If it's become damp at all, then you know that capillary action is bringing soil moisture up to the surface. The sun comes out the next day, the wind blows, that moisture goes away. If that's happening, you have to do something to break that capillary action. And yeah, a light harrow to go through and just fine up the surface, get that quarter inch of, of fine particle dust on the surface because that will break that capillary action and that will conserve moisture. Having said that, if you do that light tillage, there's good work that says every tillage pass that you do loses some moisture. In that process, you will actually lose a bit of moisture to create that dust on top. If your capillary action is not working, so you never see that moisture come to the surface, then most likely, if you go through and do that bit of tillage, you're actually going to give up a bit of moisture as opposed to conserve moisture. So it's a little bit of a catch-22, and I think that's why it works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. But man, if capillary action is working, against you breaking those capillaries getting that that insulation layer on top of that dust is absolutely a neat thing that can help you way cool and now the wheat crop so several things first up warren you've you're doing a trial good for you warren's tried before with extra nitrogen and fungicides he hears johnson talk about this synergy between extra nitrogen and fungicides he's done it before hasn't had great response but this year he's got an awesome wheat crop he's doing those trials again warren that's exactly what i want everybody to do. It's look at the things that we think might work and do the trial on your own farm. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't, it's like, okay, we keep looking for the next thing that's going to work. So awesome to do that, Warren. Let us know what the results are. Ron, you're going to keep that 40 pound cover crop, wheat crop. Cool. I think that's really cool. Remember, Ron had wheat planted as a cover crop at 40 pounds per acre, but it was early planted wheat. It looks good enough. He's keeping it for a crop. And I'll be intrigued again just to know what the, those results are. But make sure, Ron, that you treat it like a crop. On that note, Brad. Brad has thin winter wheat in Alberta. And it winter hardiness, at winter kill was really quite severe. He had some wireworm issues. So obviously the neonic on the seed wasn't there or didn't do the job it needed to do. And he was going to replant it into barley. But now they're so dry in Alberta, he just doesn't, doesn't want to do that anymore. Anymore, doesn't have enough moisture saying how can I help that winter wheat crop the challenge Brad is that you're going to help it we almost needed to help it earlier we needed to help it tiller I imagine it's past that tillering stage now but 
nitrogen would help tillering for sure if it's not done tillering get some nitrogen on it's got to be in the soil where the roots can get it if you're dry that might be an issue i don't know maybe some dissolved urea applied as a foliar could help that it'd be a fun trial to, to look at but past that really don't have any good answers ray from the north shore asking okay peter at what height does wheat not grow back again after i tramp it and and I don't want any technical terms. I Just give me a height. Oh, Ray, Ray, Ray. I thought you were an, a really awesome, advanced wheat grower, and now you tell me you don't want a technical term? No, don't do it, because you're not a real wheat grower if you can't tell where the nodes are. They're just the bumps on the stem. There is no height, and the reason there is no height is because different wheats respond differently. Certainly, if it's a foot tall, pretty much all wheat by then, you tramp it, it's not coming back. But once the growing point is above the ground, and that's when you can feel a bump, that firm spot, that node in the stem, down at the ground level, once that's above the ground, you tramp it, it's not likely to come back. I think that's an, a pretty simple system, Ray. So don't look at height, just feel for the bump in the stem. Last thing on wheat, and I'm out of time, is wow. I cannot believe how much burn I'm seeing from these herbicide-fungicide combinations applied on winter wheat in Ontario. And why do we get burn? It's because you're cutting the water rates. Every time I do the tracking, you've used 10 gallons of water, where we use 20 gallons of water volume with a herbicide-fungicide combination. We reduce the amount of burn, mostly, particularly on a year like this, to zero. It's just all about water volume you want to do a good job you have to keep that water volume up period and with that i am out of time yeah so the intercropping will wait till next week again I, it's not an urgent issue at all that's it that's all on behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com this is wheat beat with the word for wednesday may the 23rd ask me lots of questions i'll have lots to talk about again next week and we will talk to you then bye now